welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. It is time for another edition of The Locks. We are looking ahead to Week 10, arguably one of the biggest weekends of the century, of the millennium, in the history of college football. Bring all your hyperboles, and but most of all, bring your locks. Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, we got LSU Bama, we got Georgia Kentucky, we got uh, division races, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, Northwestern. We're headliners through and through. Um, how was how did that impact at all your approach to looking for the winners that we're trying to find here? The locks for Week Ten. A lot of back and forth this week with. Uh with my research team, we, uh, we, we had some, you know, took, put a lot of teams on the board, took them off the board, put them back on the board with the different results. Uh, this was a tough week for me to peg. Uh, but I, I think I'm getting closer as, as my picks approach. So I think I'm ready. I, I had a free and easy approach because I figure I can't do any worse. Oh yeah. Things are, uh, things are not going well, uh, for Tom Fernelli right now. Uh, let's let's go back with a quick review of an absolutely packed slate. Okay, so for the for the locks fights, um, the the only winner in Oklahoma State, Texas, would be Barton. You hit on Oklahoma State plus three and a half; they get that straight up win. Chip takes a lock fight loss, and while you were not fighting anyone, Tom, the under did not hit in that game. Let's see where else do we have uh, some lock fights? Lock agreement, Wake plus two and a half hit. Lock fight Michigan State against Purdue. Chip takes that win over Barton and Tom. Um, we'll we'll review real quickly. Tom loss on Oklahoma State under win on Boston College under man that was a sweet one on Friday night. Loss mm-hmm. on Texas A and M plus two and a half win on Wake plus two and a half. The under in Florida Georgia did not hit. That was heartbreaking. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue plus one and a half loss. UNLV plus two and a half. That's a loss. And South Florida plus seven. Uh, that also a loss. Two and six for the week. Minus four for the week. Thirty three and thirty four on the season. Minus one for the season. I'm five and eleven the last two weeks, folks. Mm. Just fade me. Hey, I can I can tell you as quickly as anyone. The course corrections can come fast. Uh, for Barton, he was the week's winner. He had Oklahoma State plus three and a half as a win. Boston College as the win. Two underdogs, straight up winners, uh, both at home for Barton. The under Big week for the underdogs. I think there's like seven underdogs, one in the top twenty-five or something like this. It was kind of a crazy week. Every single underdog in the Pac-12 won. Yeah, there you go. Every single one. Uh, under forty-four. In Mississippi State, Texas A&M is a win. I'm so proud of you, Barton. That's what you yeah. get for getting in on that. Uh, Louisville Wake Forest over 65 was never a sweat. That thing was a yes, basketball that, game early. That's the one I'm most proud of. That one was so satisfying. Florida plus six and a half. I think you might have even been doubting that one by the end of the show. Um, who did Florida play last week? Georgia. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, that was. I'm okay with that one. Felipe okay. Frank's Felipe, and uh, you know, you never know when that's going to hit. 
Uh, Purdue plus one and a half, as we mentioned, that was a loss. Houston minus seven, big win for the Cougs and a big win for Barton as he's coming back to his bet as the best team as in the American Athletic Conference. Over 53 Wazoo Stanford hits, over 65 and UMass UConn does not hit. That was my only really regrettable pick because <laughs> in retrospect, it what are was you a doing? Crazy weather day. What am I doing? And then playing around in Tom's in Tom's league. Uh, yeah, that and, and I talked to someone at UMass after the game, and he was like, "Oh God, if we, you should you should have checked with us. That was never going to be an over." Uh, so. Six and three again. The the leader for the week, um, thirty four and twenty seven plus seven. But uh, you were the leader for the week. You will lead us off in a little bit. It was a five and four week for Chip. Loss on Texas minus three and a half. Loss on Colorado State. Man. That was uh, the sharps were all over Wyoming, and Wyoming was the right side in that Friday night game. Uh, a win in Wake Forest, Wakey Leaks ain't going to lose. A win in Michigan State, a win with Clemson minus seventeen. A loss in the uh, Houston South Florida uh, over under of seventy five. That one got out of control quickly. A win in Navy plus twenty four, and it was a sweaty win. Uh, Tom, you were live blogging that one. I kind of felt like I was needing you to help keep me in keep me in the loop of when I was or wasn't covering, and I just got lucky at the end. What a thrilling contest that was. I'm sure you loved live vlogging every second. Oh, uh, it was thrill of a lifetime. North Carolina plus nine does not hit, but I am, I'm still okay with that being the side. They ended up losing that game by 10. Uh, and then Army with the pick'em. They did get the win. So five and four for the week, plus one on the season. Chips 35 and 28, plus eight. So... Um, this week, Barton, you've, uh, you've got the honors. Uh, are you guys ready to lock it up? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Where do you want to go? Your call. Okay. Um, let's let's start out in the SEC. Um, not one of the two premier games, but a, a relatively big game nonetheless. Uh, Missouri, Florida. Missouri is getting six points on the road. I'm going to play Missouri and and take the points here. My thought process is, I think Missouri is a little is 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 too a they're too good to just. I mean, Drew Locke's not going to go his career without a win against a top twenty-five team. Um, I don't see that, but but the thing that I'm really more energetic about here is Missouri's defensive front. That's really the story about this team. You know, we've been programmed to think that Missouri is this offensive juggernaut, and they've had their moments where they've, they've looked like that. But this team is all about that defensive line. It's one of the best in the country. Like, no one's talking about it, but Missouri's defensive front is one of the best in the country. And so I think with Florida needing to be able to run the football, with Missouri being able to uh, limit that run game, Maybe put the ball in the hands of Felipe Franks again. Use the Georgia uh, blueprint there. 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 
been a little beat up at Florida in the secondary. The, um, Georgia picked on them in that regard last week. And I, I just think that Drew Locke comes out, gives at least one game in his career for the resume uh, against a top 25 team, and, and I'm going to trust Missouri's defense. I think I picked them to win uh, uh, in the experts for CBS, but I'm not overly confident in that. I, I, what I like is the fact that they're going to keep this thing very plus six. Ah, uh, all right. So I'm, I also in the expert picks took Missouri to win straight up. I think Missouri wins the football game. I am short of a lock. And I would say that while I am encouraged by all of your points about Missouri, my pick for the expert picks again was a little bit wondering if Florida is good enough to not get beaten twice by that game. Like, I don't know if Florida is a strong enough club to have that like uh, great get off the mat, get right game. I mean, that Florida team is number 10 in the college football playoff rankings. I don't think they're the 10th best team in the country. And so I wonder if, I, w- I wonder if even, even suggesting that Florida might be getting overvalued, if that's at six and the game's in Gainesville, it tells me Missouri can win the football game. So yeah, I like that. I like that call a lot. Who was more impressive in the loss, Missouri or Florida? I would argue Missouri because at least they shut down Kentucky's run game. Kentucky needed a phantom pass interference call and a punt return touchdown really to win that game. Uh, so I just I, – I, I, I like Missouri here. Yeah, but Missouri also had like, what, eight straight three and outs in the second half? I think that was just a little choke choke sesh. I, I mean, I like, I like Missouri to cover against Florida too. I just – but uh, – Yeah, look, that, that was not a – that was not a game to put on your resume last week for Missouri. I'm just saying, I, I Kentucky, uh, Georgia certainly disappointed me last hey, week. Hey, football karma says Missouri should have won that game. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, point is... Football karma says if they'd have gotten just one first down in the second half, they probably would have won the game. <laughs> mm. uh, all right, Tom, what about you? What's your first one uh, out? Well, I'll start with the big boy. I'm taking the under 54 in Alabama LSU. Now, I initially, I I wanted to take LSU to cover the spread because I feel like, to quote Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And Alabama, to this point, hasn't even had somebody, you know, blow on their ear, let alone punch them in the mouth. They've been dominant all season long. And I feel like... LSU is the first team this season that actually has a chance to force out, put Alabama in a situation where it actually has pressure on it. Because, you know, with Tua Tagovailoa not playing in the fourth quarter, we have absolutely no idea how he's going to respond in a moment that matters. I mean, we saw obviously in the playoff last year against Georgia, but he made plenty of mistakes in that game, second half against Georgia, including the play right before he threw the game-winning touchdown in overtime when he took that sack. So there, I have those questions about how that team will respond when it's actually in a pressure situation, one that it hasn't faced all season long. The problem is I can't trust LSU's offense. I feel like defensively with Christian Fulton and Greedy Williams, they have the corners that you, they could put out there to at least limit the explosion plays from Alabama's passing attack and allow the front seven to try to get pressure 
in the backfield, you know, and disrupt things back there for Alabama. But I just don't trust Joe Burrow and company to be consistent enough to go up and down the field against Alabama's defense, which is pretty good itself, even if I don't think it's quite as good as LSU's this year, to, you know, keep within range. Because you're going to, you could slow Alabama down possibly, but I don't think you could stop it entirely. So I can't trust LSU to cover, but for those same reasons, I'm more inclined to take the under because I don't think Alabama's offense is going to be the same juggernaut we've seen it be all season against this LSU defense. I don't trust LSU to be able to put too many points on the board, as I've already said. And plus, if you just look at the history of these two, the under has been, you know, a a pretty solid play for the most part in the last, you know, the last four meetings, the under is 4-0. The last five times they've played in Baton Rouge, the under is 5-0. And if you look at Alabama's current seven-game win streak over LSU, the average in those seven games, the total points in the seven games played has been an average of 33.9 points per game. So I feel like the under 54 is something that is set a bit too high simply because everybody's so enamored with what Alabama has done on offense against a bunch of teams that don't quite have the defense that LSU has, or at least a defense that is capable of covering its receivers and slowing down its run game and putting pressure on the Alabama quarterback. So because of all that, I like the under 54. Lock agreement. We're picking locks. Boom. I mean, like, mm, I got, what, 24 to 10, I think? 20... what, what's I got your score? Seven fourteen. Yeah, no, get out of here. Like, uh, yeah, just just get out of here. And, and you know what? The honestly, so what? What is the? I guess they're telling us thirty four twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would even wonder if you can catch, uh, if you could catch an LSU team total prop and even go under there because look LSU runs the ball 61% of the time. No one in the SEC has more rushing attempts in conference play than LSU. Uh that's I don't I don't see this and this LSU offensive line has like overperformed and they've done a great job of improving throughout the year and they they pushed Georgia around a little bit and sprung a couple big runs for Nick Brosette uh, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but they're not going to do that against Alabama and I just yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tom. I'm 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 betting against. How about this? Especially when it comes to point totals for LSU or for the game. Uh, I've mentioned this a couple times on CBS Sports HQ. LSU has kicked more field goals than it scored touchdowns against Power Five competitions. Like, <laughs> I love Cole Tracy, but what's your little Simpsons gift? You don't win kicking field goals. You don't win kicking field goals. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's like I'm I, I just a lot of these signs point to there being a limited number of points. And I do think LSU's defense is going to look good and provide a test that Alabama hasn't faced all year. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. Under 54. Let's go. Let's roll. Are you, do you guys on either, on either side of this? No. Alabama and my expert picks. Yeah, I'm on LSU to cover. I'm just not nearly as confident in that. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me just I would I would caution this and uh, in terms of playing the under if you're going to throw in sort of historical precedent here I do think it's fair to mention the fact that this is historically the best Alabama offense we've seen and and I don't mean best like it's better than the I mean like this is they're playing a different sport offensively 
than they've played for the last 10 years under Nick Saban. It's totally different. The quarterback is is the best Alabama quarterback with by a mile. And they're also this is also the worst Nick Saban defense since 2007. And so I am a little bit concerned about LSU moving the football on the ground, about Alabama maybe running away and 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 putting up 40 by you know because remember this is a game where Tua is probably going to play into the fourth quarter and you give Tua fourth quarter possessions that's that's more scoring opportunities I just I, I would be hesitant on the under personally uh, and I actually also ended up playing for our expert picks I'm on this on the LSU side it's scary but I've talked myself into that LSU side in part because of Alabama. You know Alabama, and this this could play into y'all's under theory a little bit, but you know Alabama's, according to S&P Plus, pass, the, Alabama, the best pass defense Alabama's played is, 50, is, is 50th in the country, is Arkansas State. Their average S&P Plus pass defense has been like 87th in the country. I'm saying. Like they've played nobody. Yes. On, and, and, and LSU is third in those same metrics, like, and is as good as there is in the country – can challenge those Bama receivers like they haven't been challenged, and and really it's all about the pass game right now for Alabama. So, I that I guess could play to y'all's under. Um, I do kind of t- lean LSU here just to keep this thing close, uh, but I'm 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 too scared to play the total or the or the or the side. Uh, Pat Forty mentioned this, so I want to give him a shout out so I don't just like crib the idea originally. But it, he said, if you're LSU and you're not going to have Devin White. Do whatever you can for the entire first half to squeeze the clock. Like, basic, like, just win the coin toss, like, take it and just do anything possible where the only goal is to get to halftime at like 10 nothing and then get Devin White back. Yep. Anyway. Good plan. Uh, all right. So I'll take us. I mean, do we, do we just need, do we, need, I've got a Georgia Kentucky played. Should we just go ahead and run it out? Or is that just too much sec out the gate? Nah, let's go for it. Those are the big games. Okay. Uh, so three thirty on CBS, this is going to be the lead in. Of course, the, uh, the LSU Alabama game, eight o'clock on CBS and Missouri, Florida. Is that an ESPN game? I guess. I don't have Probably. it pulled up. <laughs> We're trying to do a better job of letting our, our listeners know when these, uh, when these games are, we appreciate oh, right. your comments. Because we got a- because we got a five-star comment with that request. If you give us five-star comments, we will try to humor your requests. Right. Two-star comments, tally-ho, buddy. And so Jeff Barton will. Tom will. So, yeah, Tom. Tom has has offered no uh, no help Tom, to the listeners. Tom has no. Tom has advice. It's called Google.com, and you just go to it and you type in a question, and it'll tell you the answer. Florida, Missouri, from Gainesville is a four o'clock kickoff on the SEC network. Uh, the Georgia, Kentucky, three thirty on CBS, eight o'clock on CBS for uh, the big game, game of the century of the week of the year, Alabama LSU. Okay, uh, Georgia minus nine, lay them. I don't think, and this is this is a similar angle or argument, Barton, to what you were pointing out about the like what we think of this team and also who have they played where. Uh, Georgia's the best offense that Kentucky's going to face all year and definitely the best offense that Kentucky has played yet this season. I love Kentucky's defense 
And I think the key matchup here is going to be Josh Allen against Jake Fromm, whether or not they can get Jake Fromm out of rhythm, whether or not they can get him off his spot, especially after he seemed to really uh, find something in that Florida game with the offense, throwing for three touchdowns, all on, you know, all the third down conversions. But, you know, we're looking at this Kentucky team after going up against a lot of offenses that aren't as good as Georgia's. And so if the odds makers are going to set this at nine, and if Kentucky is up in the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings, and if you're, it's almost baiting you into taking Kentucky, I'm looking at this game, and I think Georgia wins by 14. And so I'll lay it, and I'll take the Bulldogs on the road. Lock agreement. We're picking locks. Woo, Tom and I are getting close. <laughs> I, yeah, I pretty much, I'm almost 100% on board with everything you just said. And, to the point where I think Georgia should be a 14-point favorite in this game. Uh, I just, if you look at the matchups, Kentucky's going to have to throw the ball at some point to win this game and stay in this game, and Kentucky cannot throw the football. And I just, I have questions. I think Kentucky, obviously, they'll they'll be they'll be able to slow down Georgia's run game. Kentucky's defense can slow down anybody's run game. I have concerns about what Kentucky can do against Georgia's tight ends. I have concerns about the Kentucky secondary if it's forced to, you know, cover Georgia's pass. I, I just think that Georgia's passing game is going to be enough in adv- of an advantage for it against this Kentucky defense where it won't have to rely on the run game. But still, with Georgia's massive offensive line, it's still going to be able to run the ball, maybe not as effectively as it wants. And I just look at this as over the course of 60 minutes – I can't have enough faith in the Kentucky offense to think that they'll be able to keep up for the entire game and stay within that nine-point spread. Now, if it was at 10 or more, I'd probably be kind of staying away, but as long as it's under 10, I'm all about Georgia. These are a couple very near lock fights. I I like Kentucky getting points, and and – this is this is this is one just like LSU where I've I've talked myself into Kentucky as the week has progressed because here's the thing like you talk about Georgia being able to to be you know Kentucky not being able to handle Georgia in the past game all those back shoulder fades and 50-50 balls that that Georgia was winning against Florida it's going to be a tougher task against Kentucky that that defense is there's nothing fake about that defense. They're 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 secondary, their corners are like six three, their safeties are really active. Nobody's running the football on these guys. And I, I think that this Kentucky team, with it being at home at night, this is the biggest game in Kentucky football history. This is a team that has mastered the art of shortening football games. And I think that and and, and Georgia is is a team you can run the football on. Their their pass defense is is actually sort of where Georgia where their where their strength is, and you you can run the football on them. So I I do think Kentucky will be able to grind out some yards here and there. This I don't feel confident enough about it to make it a lock. Come on, put your I name on it. I, Let's go. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna play it. I'm not gonna get bullied into this. But I do think Kentucky has a really good shot of covering this thing. And uh, and I'll be there. I don't know if you guys know. I'm going to cover it for CBS. So I'll, I'll, be down, I'll be in Lexington, boots on the ground. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll shoot you guys some texts and let you know how wrong you are here uh, <laughs> if, 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 if the tailgates are really rocking. Sick. See, I just, 
my my concern for Kentucky is that it doesn't get a ton of pressure in the backfield off its defensive line. It tends to, you know, rely on its linebackers to create that kind of, you know, chaos. And Georgia's offensive line is one of the best in the country at keeping a clean pocket for Jake Fromm. So if they're not able to get any pressure with their defensive line and they have to use their linebackers to blitz and try to get after Fromm, that's where I get concerned about, you know, Isaac Nauta and other Georgia tight ends being able to find a lot of room to work in that secondary as release valves for Fromm and to consistently help them move the ball. So you're going yeah, uh, you're going uh, full Herbie, another, no picket. Sorry, I'm covering the game. Can't picket. Uh, yeah, exactly. Another temptation here could be going under. I could I could very easily see the under hit here uh, as just another another game with two teams that are content letting this thing sort of shorten. And uh, I mean, certainly Kentucky's going to try to play it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just it feels like Georgia's the better team, absolutely. Um, but I, I think that the styles play to. Uh, to Kentucky's um, Kentucky's favor here, so I, I, I like the under. I like Kentucky. Neither of them locks. All right, uh, all right. Well, Barton, if you're if you're not gonna put your name on it with uh, Kentucky, what are you putting your name to? What's your second second play? All right. Uh, how about Texas minus two? Uh, I know that Texas is better as a dog. I know that they're, um, you know that this is a game. West Virginia coming in, uh, perhaps there's a lot of temptation out there to to take the Mountaineers, but I, I like I like Texas to win this game because it's at home. I don't think they're going to lose two in a row. I think they've got the culture right there. I think that Texas is when you look at when you look at West Virginia. I think that's a team that you can move the football on on the ground that that's really sort of the foundation of Texas offense. They've got to be able to establish the run game. Um, and I think they can do that. I, I think that the, and, and really ultimately like this is a, I, I like, I guess I like Texas's vulnerability next week against Iowa state more on the road than a West Virginia team coming to Austin in a, in a new found home field advantage that I don't yet trust. So I'm going to take Texas, lay the two points, um, and uh, and trust Tom Herman to to get his team right after a, a disappointing loss against Oklahoma State. I'm, that's the right pick. That is the right pick. I'm not going to go lock agreement because that would be my third straight lock agreement. That just doesn't feel right. But... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna leave that log on the side and let you let you celebrate that one. But I'll tell you right now that it, Texas is gonna bully West Virginia in the trenches. West West yeah, Virginia is not ready for the fight that Texas is gonna make this game. That's kind of my bet, and I'm I am also v- very tempted to play over 58. Um, but I'll I'll leave that alone for now. Maybe I'll maybe I'll muster the courage later on. <laughs> it's it's not a lock, but I think West Virginia is going to win. Lot of, there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like chirping, it, talking on the periphery. No no actual swings being thrown. The Cold War fights. of locks. <laughs> a lot of just a lot of just hold me backs in this pod today. Like I would fight you, but I'm going to let this one go. 
<laughs> I mean, my concern is just that, like, you know, if, if you – the game against Oklahoma probably had a huge impact. But if you look at there's S&P numbers, ex, as far as explosive plays in the passing game against Texas's defense, they rank 117th in the country, and they have a sack rate of 115. So I feel like Will Greer and David Sills are going to find plenty of opportunity to make plays. Uh, and I just don't really trust Texas's offense that much. Man, if I Tech do trust Texas's offense though. I th- I think I mean they they've been pretty steady. They can't run and the ball though. I don't They're know. getting better. I'm not sure I'm with you on there. The the and the other thing about this this uh West Virginia team is, you know, Will Greer has thrown some picks. You know, he's, he threw three against Kansas. He threw one against Iowa State. Uh, he threw a couple against Kansas State. If, if you know, that's the one thing that this this Texas team does. Yeah, they give enough explosive plays, and that's part of the reason why I'm I'm I'm, I'm inclined to to lean towards the over. But they also will turn you over. This Texas team will t- turn you over on, uh, especially on the back end, and so. I could see Will Greer throwing up some some picks along the way to Caden Stern to Chris Boyd or somebody and and uh, you know and I, and remember I think that Tom Herman sitting out Chris Boyd last week and Devontae Davis for that first quarter I think that was the right message to send that look you know I, I don't care how good you guys think you are after winning a couple games you know we're going to do this the right way and as they come back home with everybody healthy and back on the field I I, I just I like this spot how it sets up sounds like a smart pick Barton uh but you know what's not smart uh the fact that there are job sites that send you tons of the wrong resumes to sort through that's not smart the fact that there are job sites that make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job that's not smart you probably shouldn't be letting your friends pick your karaoke song that's not smart and you probably shouldn't be making the lottery. Shout out to the Mega Millions or whatever the latest big one is. You shouldn't be making that the centerpiece of your retirement plan. That's not smart. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, then actively invites them to apply so that you can get qualified candidates fast. It's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., this rating coming from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address ziprecruiter.com slash 24 7 sports that's ziprecruiter.com slash 24 7 sports once again that's ziprecruiter.com slash 24 7 sports ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire all right i am going to take us to uh, a good old trusty principle two teams that have delivered for me throughout the season Nothing has been, um, you know, more enjoyable for me than some ACC Coastal Unders. We've got a pair of good under teams with Miami and Duke. The number set at 51. Anything above 49 was going to be an auto fire for me. And so Miami, Duke, under 51, really, really solid defenses and uh, offenses that can get lost for quarters at a time. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's... 
That one, if you've if you've been riding this train with me for the last couple weeks, that's that's one that should jump out to you, and we're just going to see if we can keep cashing. Chip, I have horrible news. Another lock agreement. Lock agreement. <laughs> wow, you two. We're picking locks. Did you write the six pack for me this week? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Jesus. Get a freaking room, you guys. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's kind of funny because, yeah, this is under 51. One of my locks of the week. Um, just, yeah. Not not because it keeps working for you, but just because there's been absolutely no consistency on Miami's offense the last few weeks. You know, they went from Malik Rozier to Nikosi Perry and back to Rozier, and none of those changes have actually led to Miami's offense being better than average. It's it scored 27 points total in its last two games, and aside from the first quarter of last week's game against Boston College, its defense has still been pretty good. So I, I don't think from Miami's as half of it, I'm not expecting too many points from offense. I'm not expecting them to give up too many points on, against Duke, and as far as Duke's concerned, they've lost four straight to Miami, and in those four losses, they've averaged 16 points per game. So... I, I don't expect a lot of points here. I mean, my, my biggest concern, honestly, for this over is, is usually the case is that Miami gets a defensive touchdown. I mean, that was the uh, that that's like the ultimate way that this goes bust, the special teams and defensive touchdowns of yeah, which there could be up to three. Yeah, because Miami has one of the most disruptive defenses in the country. And Duke has struggled a little bit with that this season. Um. Well, I Tom, I, I promise you I did not read the six-pack in preparation, but I did think of you uh, when I decided to not introduce Army Air Force under because I felt like that was a Tom play through and through that I've known about for days. Are you introducing <laughs> that one here on the podcast? Why, yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. This is not a lock agreement, though I do think you should listen to Tom. <laughs> Go for it. Air Force and Army under 44. This is an automatic play. Anytime two service academies are playing, you take the under. When I for I got it as quickly as I could when the line was posted on Monday afternoon. I got it at 49 and a half. It's down to 44. It'll probably be down a point or two by the time you actually hear this podcast because that's what happens in these games. Now, why does that happen? Well, because in games between service academy teams, the under has gone 24, 6, and 1 since 2008. That, again... 24, 6, and 1. It's not rocket science. Option teams who take up a lot of time and only run the ball and very rarely pass means the clock very rarely stops. Limited possessions, limited points, limited potential for an over. Air Force and Army, under 44. Lock it up. And that one is all you. You get to have that one. I cannot take that from you. <laughs> Barton. Um <clears throat> All right, let's go let's go pack 12. I'm going to go with Washington minus 10 uh against Stanford. So, look, I I still think that Washington and and we talked about it a little bit this week on the pod, Chip. Like I've got I've sort of got some doubts just about what Stanford is evolving into. I still think Washington knows what it is. I still think Washington is a good team. It's a good team that, that has 
some offensive issues. I think that this number being it, it look it comes out a little bit higher than you would expect to see, uh, particularly you know just with a traditional power like Stanford. Um, so that's why I feel a little emboldened when I see 78% of the public on Stanford. And if anything, the line has moved towards Washington at nine and a half. It's up to 10. And I, I think when you look at Stanford, their inability to run the football this year, they've got to throw the ball to, to find offensive success. Washington is a, I mean, if, if, if you're trying to throw the ball against Washington, against that secondary, I mean, that, that's a group that's not going to be scared of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. They, they've, they've got a group of DBs that can defend. And, and I think that this is a, a Stanford team that can help you get right on offense. And, and that's where Washington has needed to, to, to sort of find itself. I think that that was a wake-up call in a big way. Again, and I think that that now Washington sort of comes in with a really good game plan. Jake Browning plays with a lot of fire. I think that Washington, it's a little scary because last week was, was not pretty, but I, I think that Washington goes and takes care of business uh, against Stanford, and that's a home game. And so uh, I like the Huskies. In continuing the style of our uh, Cold War of lock fights, <laughs> I'm not locking it up, but in in general, and this, what is keeping me from making this a lock is Stanford, like Stanford's issues. But double digit dog with a low total. Mm. Was this this totals are on forty six, forty five? It you, is at yeah, no, wait, it's at yeah, forty six, forty six and a half, some places. Yeah, nor normally double digit dog. Division game, uh, low total. Those are the ingredients for me to take it. But I do think that you're right that uh, this this could be a big problem. For, this, this could be the game where it all comes crashing down. And uh, Washington, Washington is, is becoming like almost Ohio State-esque. Now, granted, the expectations are not like Ohio State. And... Uh, you know, there's the talent level is not Ohio State, but the loss last week to Cal felt like the Arizona State loss the year before. It's like we're we're getting these one game, one game. Washington is just going to show up with a clunker, and I don't think that's indicative of the team that it's been as a whole. But I will say, watch out, double digit dog low total. Stanford could come crashing in that back door when you least expect it. But good luck to you. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I ah. hear you. Hey, that's gambling for you, though, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about Northwestern plus nine and a half? Mm. Ooh, I wonder if somebody was going to dive in on this game. Yeah, I'll take the Let's bait. It. Um, I, I think that this is a. I think that this Northwestern team is good enough to keep this competitive, and the. What like was it? What did we call it earlier? Bar just a just a little ball control passing game. Take whatever you give me. I think I think the Northwestern can make this a little bit low scoring, a little bit rock fighty. And if that's the case, in a big spot 
against a Notre Dame team that just got to see itself up in the top four of the uh, college football playoff rankings? I mean, I'm, I am going to be tempted pretty much for the rest of the season to fade Notre Dame against the spread. And I think that Northwestern uh, plus more than a touchdown plus nearly double digits is a great place to start. So, uh, so I mean, I did it last week and I think I'm, I'm on it again. I don't, I don't have, yep. I mean, I'm, I'm risking Northwestern showing up, flexing its muscles and looking like a national championship contender. This would be one of those affirmation games if they win it by 20, but nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling confident that that's the case. Give me the Wildcats. Yeah. Th- I think you're the right play here. I'm, I, I've gone back and forth and I'm not playing it, but the one one of the ways I look at this is what do you find more likely, you know, a Notre Dame winning by twenty or Northwestern winning outright, and and basically so you know, what do you find more likely, Notre Dame beats the spread by ten or Northwestern beats the spread by ten? I I find it more likely in my head a more realistic scenario that Northwestern wins outright than Notre Dame just like absolutely houses them. So. But it's a it's a scary game to me, and 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 it's and more so even because it's this is at Northwestern, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that that plays for you as well. Um, so that that's an interesting one. I this it's a repeat of last week. I am a hundred percent against you. I'm not locking it up, but I I think Notre Dame is a much better team than Northwestern is. <laughs> And I expect him to win by two scores, about 14 or so. It's just, I mean, here's the thing. We look at Notre Dame and we think, you know, like they played poorly against Pitt. They only won by five. But if you look, if you use S&P Plus's postgame win expectancy, they had a win expectancy of 97% in that game. Yeah, it was close, but they were never truly in danger of losing it. Last week against Navy, they had a win expectancy of 100%. They didn't cover the 24 and a half points, but they won by 22 and pretty much just cruised. They really didn't put much effort out there. They didn't have to. They're just that much better than Navy. You look at how they did against Virginia Tech. They won that game by 22 on the road with a win expectancy of 94%. You look at the Stanford game. They won that game by 21 with a win expectancy of 98%. Against Wake Forest, they won by 29 with a win expectancy of 100%. Let's look at Northwestern. It beat Purdue in the opener. It had a win expectancy of 37% in that game. It lost to Duke. It had a win expectancy of 10%. It lost to Akron. It had a win expectancy of 76%. But, you know, things went crazy there in the fourth quarter with all the turnovers. It got it took a 17-0 lead on Michigan, lost by three, and had a win expectancy of 18%. Michigan State at one had a win expectancy of 70%. Nebraska at one had a win expectancy of 16%. They, they deserve to beat Rutgers. Last week against Wisconsin, they beat Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team with a backup quarterback who helped cover the fact that Clayton Thorson had four turnovers of his own in that game, and Northwestern still managed to win it, but they did not play well. Northwestern is a team that is five and three, but it has won games it shouldn't have, and it has lost one game that it should definitely not have lost. It's really not that good of a team as much as it's a team that's taking advantage of a pretty down year in the Big Ten in general, particularly in the Big Ten West. And I just don't see it. I know it's a huge game for Northwestern. And if they had, I think that the Northwestern fans will show up, will be there, and they will be you know, pumped. It's just, it's Evanston. 
it's in a city that is largely has more Notre Dame fans than it does Northwestern fans. I would expect that that stadium to be 60% Notre Dame fans at a minimum. There won't be much of a home field advantage for Northwestern in this one at all. And they just don't have the athletes to match up with what Notre Dame does. And if you look at Northwestern's offense, it's one of the worst in the country, especially if you look at the advanced stats and it's going up against a very good Notre Dame defense. I don't see Northwestern being able to score that many points. And you know what? Screw it. Lock it up. Yes. Notre Dame. Fight, 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 fight. Give me Notre Dame. What's the spread at now? Nine and a half. Yeah, that's fine. As long as it's not more than 14, I don't care because Notre Dame's going to win by 14. That makes me kind so of just happy. got got going, started talking. You know, your enthusiasm started picking up. Your volume oh. started getting up there, and then before <laughs> you knew it, you're, you're on the game. I love it. There, there's there is a reason I didn't want to give it as a lock on the podcast, and it's because it's in the six pack this week. But you know, it's the sports line pick of the week, boys. <laughs> it's supposed to be behind the paywall. <laughs> but yes, Notre Dame. Lock it up. That's wow, Tom nice. Fernelli of Sportsline fame. Subscribe to Sportsline. Use whatever the promo code is right now. Get Tom's Parlay. picks. Is Parlay it? Yeah. Okay. Use use the promo code Parlay, and you can get your first month of Sportsline for just one dollar. Um. So we uh, Barton. I think it's uh, back to you. Okay. Um. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go off-brand, and I'm going to go Butch Davis minus three against Lane Kiffin at FAU. Look, this is – last week I went off-brand and got got out of my elements um, and and lost. But the other off-brand game I thought about going last week was FIU. You and they they won easily and covered easily. Florida Atlantic is like the, I'm 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 laughing at people that are throwing Nick Lane Kiffin's name around for jobs. It's a joke. He they're three and five this year. Last year was lightning in a bottle. They you know they found some success. They found some things that worked, but it's not sustainable. It doesn't it hasn't looked sustainable. Meanwhile, what FIU is doing is actually building a foundation for success. And I I trust Butch Davis in this spot. I think that this is a big game for FIU. I think, you know, they're still sort of the the little brother in this, this, what if you want to call it a rivalry. Like the FAU is still the team that gets all the publicity. No, everyone's, you know, you look up and. What's what's FAU schedule FIU schedule right now? It is a record. It I think they're like, uh, this is a rivalry. You don't they're need to say to. call it a rivalry. It's called the Shula Bowl. And it's been called the Shula Bowl. It has a trophy called the Don Shula Award. And it's been called the Shula Bowl, I think, since like twenty two thousand nine. FIU is six and two. Their only losses is a fourteen point loss to Miami a 10-point loss to Indiana. Why in the world would they only be favored by three points here, hosting FAU, who is 
whose who's only wins are against Bethune-Cookman, Air Force, and ODU. So I, I, I'm going to trust Butch Davis, and I'm going to trust FIU, a team that you guys well know I've been high on from preseason. It's time for me to like, – I can't go a season and not cash in on a team that I think is good. So give me FIU to win by significantly more than three points. Fight! 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 Oh, uh, yes! Good. All right, let me know the thought process between what why FAU is a play here. Because the public's all over FAU, too. It's it's like 84% of the public is on, on Florida Atlantic. Uh, for me... It boils. I mean, yes. FIU is six and two. FAU is three and five. FAU has the bigger brand name because Lane Kiffin, etc. But if you look, according to Sagarin ratings, FIU has played the 143rd most difficult schedule in the country. Now, obviously, Sagarin keeps track of FCS teams, so that means there are FCS teams which have played more difficult schedules than FIU, according to S and P, which only ranks the 130, you know, FBS teams, FIU's played the 122nd ranked schedule. FAU, on the other hand, has played the 60th most difficult schedule using Sagarin and 42nd using S&P. The reason their records are different is because Florida International is playing, you know, Indiana, Old Dominion, UMass, Miami, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Middle Tennessee, Rice, and Western Kentucky, while Florida Atlantic is playing Oklahoma. Air Force, Bethune-Cookman, UCF, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, Marshall, Louisiana Tech. FAU is just playing better teams than FIU has. And their records are kind of misleading as to who the better team actually is. I'm not only taking Florida Atlantic to cover this spread. I'm taking Florida Atlantic to win the game. All right. Uh, This is, um, you know, I'm clearly swimming in the deep end right now. Uh, No, I mean, you've listen, I was going to say water wings. Though, look, I, but that, that is not a preamble to me backing down from this. I am not going to let Lane Kiffin push me around right now. <laughs> this is, I'm not going to let Tom Fernelli push me around right now. This Florida international team is a good football team, and they're going to win this game. I will just say so, that FIU S&P ranking 89th. Its offense is 82nd. Its defense is 95th. FAU's S&P ranking is 66th. Its offense is 63rd. Its defense is 68th. Both teams are horrible on special teams. FIU is better than FIU, FAU on special teams. So in a game that with a spread this close, that could be the deciding factors. It, this uh, could come down I, to special I, teams. I can't wait to, to follow this game. What time is this kick? This, this kick is uh, – oh, it's a night game. It's at 6.30 p.m. Central, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, I'll be listening to it on uh, XM Radio on the drive back from Lexington. That's going to that's gonna take precedent over the Bama LSU game probably. As it should. <laughs> As it should. Fact, everybody should be paying attention to this game. Screw Bama <laughs> LSU. Oh, man. As somebody with uh, a limited amount of CBS stock, I can only encourage you to watch the Alabama LSU game on seven different screens in your house, please. Uh, all right let's see i'll tell you what i i think this might be uh no i got i got one more log after this i'm gonna go georgia tech minus six uh at north carolina it's the local raycom kick this this might be the game and it happens from time to time in chapel hill 
there's a game around late October, early November that really drives things home for the students and the fans that it's basketball season. And uh, I think this is that game. I North Playing Georgia Tech's not fun. Georgia Tech's on a little bit of a roll right now. And I could see this. I, I could see North Carolina winning this game if it was in Georgia Tech. If it was at Atlanta, I would feel a lot better about it. North Carolina has been horrible in Atlanta for a long time. But is, as the season kind of just uh, trips along itself towards its conclusion, I think that a Georgia Tech team that, no joke, is is probably starting to play some of its best football of the season right now here in the last couple weeks. I think that uh, I think Georgia Tech under a touchdown, I feel good about that. North Carolina's defense is not going to get uh, a whole lot of help from the offense. Taquan Marshall's back in the lineup. So I'll uh, I'll I'll take the Yellow Jackets to to back up that win against Virginia Tech uh, with another good one here against the Tar Heels. Georgia Tech minus six. Lock it up. God bless you for trying to navigate this ACC madness. Um, glad somebody's going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen in that game, and I certainly don't know what's happening with, with most Georgia Tech games. So uh, I, 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 I admire your ability to navigate through North Carolina and Georgia Tech. I mean, waters. some of it is Carolina. Some of it's just like remembering those, like remembering the John Bunning years where you just be like, whew, like, you know, all of a sudden North Carolina's down by – 17 at halftime and you're just looking around you're like well so is the is is the exhibition game against uh unc Asheville later tonight cool all right i'm gonna walk to the dean dome now (laughs) (laughs) like north carolina football has had uh, a a good tradition of, of ushering in basketball season real early from time to time like there's, I mean, Larry Fedora and Butch Davis both did a lot to change the tone and tenor around the football program. Mac Brown as well, but this team doesn't look like any one of those teams that's really going to change the uh, the fan atmosphere and environment. Keenan Stadium is going to be talking about the hardwood by the third quarter. I don't hate it, uh, Barton. All right, I'm, I'm, I think I'm only going to play two more and. I got to be honest with you. This isn't my most confident slate this week. I feel a little bit iffy on all these, uh, but my next one is going to be um, Ohio State, Nebraska. I've been a, a bit a big Nebraska supporter. They've treated me well. Uh, you got to find your spots when it's time to go on the other side. You know, makes the wins all the much more sweeter when you take them. I'm taking Ohio State here. I think coming off a bye week after a very humbling experience, they are they're going to be refocused. Uh, they're going to be very motivated. This game is at home. Nebraska's defense has not been good. They really only have a like, – when they play a team that's not really potent offensively, then their offense can overwhelm teams and they can they – can, can get those W's I that's not going to be the case here and even I think in in against Ohio State where, where you've got to be able to do well to, to to score a bunch of points and expose that second and third level is throw the ball and, and really I think Nebraska is, is more geared towards running the football and that's kind of more where they're going to find their bread and butter I, I like Ohio State's I think the line's all the way down to 17 and a half now. I like Ohio State to 
have a little bit of a uh, of a feel good game here and and get get going in the right direction. Look, we've seen what what was uh, like when Ohio State last year they lost to Iowa. The next week, what they beat Michigan State like forty nine to three or something. Yeah, they thumped. Uh, I mean, this is this is not uncharted territory here for Ohio State and Urban Meyer. So I, I've not been overly impressed with Nebraska's ability to defend big plays with their secondary. I think I think Ohio State rolls here, seventeen and a half points. Lay it, take the Buckeyes. Yeah, it's not a lock, but I also am on Ohio State and the expert picks for those same reasons, pretty much. What did uh, what did Michigan beat Nebraska by? Let's see. This year, it was fifty-six to ten. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ohio State's going to win sixty-three to ten. <laughs> Remember that year when was it? Was it uh, Rutgers? Like Michigan thumped them, and then Ohio State thumped them by like one more touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah, sorry, Scott. I think you're going to get Rutgers this too big. Things are too intense in the uh, Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. I'm with you, Barton. They're going to blow them out of the water. I mean, yeah, and it's just it's like the thing where like the narratives surrounding both teams right now are the complete opposite. Where Ohio State loses one game, and all of a sudden, even though it's seven and one, it's all oh wow. There's tension in the athletic department. Urban Meyer is getting asked whether he's going to be you know if he's going to retire because they lost a game to Purdue. And then Nebraska beats a bad Minnesota team and then, you know, crushes Bethune-Cookman and all of a sudden Nebraska's fixed. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's, it's like, yeah, I don't I don't think that's the case. When in the world are you getting buy-low opportunities on Ohio State? Coming off a buy. Like, geez. Geez. Yeah. I mean, that's sounds sounds like we're real close. We're, we're, we've sniffed lock <laughs> fights. I, I think that uh, we'll we'll leave uh, Queen Latifah on the sideline for now, but yeah, I love that Barton. I think you've got a good opportunity to cash in there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support. <laughs> um, Tom, how many do you have left? I have two left. Oof. Okay, go ahead and give one to me. Okay, I'll go with UCLA plus ten and a half at Oregon. Uh. It's not really revenge because it's not like Chip Kelly has, you know, reason to be mad at Oregon. He left. But I just feel like going to back to Oregon for the first time since returning, he's at UCLA. This is clearly going to be an important game for Chip Kelly. And I just think that more so than that, even though it's Oregon, if you if you watched it the last few weeks <laughs> since that win against Washington, Oregon's looked really, really bad. Like, you know, last week it barely looked interested in playing Arizona and got killed. Washington State made it look awful. I mean, it's just they've been awful their last two weeks. And now they're going up against a UCLA team that I don't think is great, but I think is improving a little bit as the season goes on, as it gets more familiar with Chip Kelly, gets more familiar with his players, and his players get more familiar with what they're supposed to be doing. And also, UCLA, if you look, like I mentioned earlier, like this, the strength of schedule with FIU and FAU, according to Sagarin, UCLA's played the third most difficult schedule in the country. According to S&P Plus, they've played the most difficult schedule in the country. So this is a team that even though going on the road to Autzen Stadium is not going to be easy for anybody, this is a team that's kind of been through a lot of tough battles already, and they kind of understand what they're 
dealing with. And I just think that 10.5 points is a little too much. I, I wouldn't be shocked if UCLA pulls off the upset. I don't expect it. I think Oregon's going to win. But I just when I look at the way that these two teams have played over the last few weeks, I have a hard time trusting Oregon as a 10.5-point favorite here. Yeah. I mean, that like or- – Oregon took a or Oregon made like four wrong turns on a road trip and now it's at like a gas station in Danville, Virginia, trying to figure out its way back to I-95. <laughs> like they they're yeah, they're lost. Oregon is lost right now. I don't I don't hate that. Rock agreement. Going I'm on board with this as well. Yes. UCLA uh, and I had it written down as nine and a half. That's that's moved up since like last night. Uh, you're right. I see it mm-hmm. at ten and a half as well. Uh, I'll take it. I, this this first of all, you didn't even mention the fact that Justin Herbert is is banged up. I, I I'm assuming he will play, but he's he's not at full speed. Um, if they go backup quarterback, all bets are off. Uh, Dylan Mitchell also has been a little in concussion protocol. I believe this week their number one receiver. Uh, granted, there's there's questions about who's playing quarterback at UCLA, but I think Wilton Spate has done enough to show me that it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, both he and Dorian Thompson Robinson can can play quarterback at UCLA and win a football game. And yes, I think Oregon has really fallen off a cliff. I think that they're they, they've lost themselves a little bit. Um, I actually think that Penny Sewell uh, getting injured at left tackle. The true freshman is was ended up being a pretty big deal, and I think that UCLA is is improved enough to where they beat somebody else somewhere along the way. Like this is they didn't they didn't shot all their, their shots. They're, they they got a couple rounds left. Uh, I absolutely I absolutely could see this being an upset as well. But at the very least, I'll I'll take the ten and a half. Final play for me. We're going to trot on up to the sweat. It'll just be double unders for me as I'm going to go under 77 and a half Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Godspeed. One too many oral histories written about the old Baker Mayfield, (laughs) Patrick Mahomes. Everyone had to get their crack at their oral history of that crazy game. All that talk of points. No, sir. I'm a principal under. Let's 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 go for some some long drives that end in missed field goals. Let's get some red zone interceptions. Let's let's see that Texas Tech defense cause a few problems for Oklahoma. I'm ready to sweat. This one could be over by halftime, but uh but yeah, I'll sign up for it. Let's go. Have you guys heard about the time Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes faced off? Am I am I just being a sourpuss for being no? Okay, all right. <laughs> it's everybody, everybody, everyone. I mean, NFL it. people are talking about it because guess who's playing this week in the NFL? Wait, are the Browns playing the Chiefs? Yes. Ah, so it's like a perfect storm because Oklahoma is playing Texas Tech this week, and the Baker Mayfield squaring off with Mahomes in the NFL. So. Everybody that covers football, be it NFL or college, is mentioning that game this week. And like you said, there have been oral histories about it all over. Yeah, that that one is um, that one is not one that I would 
ever play because as someone that at least has a, a respectful appreciation for an over, I, I would want that over to hit. Give me 63 to 52. Uh, so, you know, have fun. Have fun rooting for, for failure in a game that's just set up for fireworks. <laughs> it's not failure if the defense succeeds. I will say, though, Chip, uh, since... Since Texas Tech started Big 12 play, it hasn't played any game that fe- the 71 points in the Iowa State game is the most in any Texas Tech game in Big 12 play so far this season. Texas Tech's defense is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm more worried about Oklahoma's defense giving up explosive plays in this game. As you should be. Well, Oklahoma, Texas Tech's defense is pretty good, but I don't think there's a defense in the country that's not going to give up some explosive plays to. Uh, to OU. That's true. All right, but I'm on it. Principal, and that's it. I'm, and I'm tapped out. Who who all still got stuff left? I have one. Uh, and Dentist has two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why didn't you lead with those? <laughs> the, the Dentist has... This was last week, or two weeks ago, the Dentist had his, his lock. Then he said... I've got you know I've got two more I'm eyeing a week from now. So he he was looking two weeks to for his two his, his two piecer. So go ahead, Tom, and then we'll 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 give you a couple dentist specials. All right. Well, my final pick of the week is BYU plus thirteen and a half at Boise State. Um, um. honestly, <laughs> what I was just saying, um. Um, I mean, there's not too much to this. It's just the fact that I think the spread's a little too big. Boise State, I think, is extremely overvalued at home. The truth of the matter is that in the last 10 years, Boise State is 25-39-1 against the spread at home. And this year, it's been bad at home. There's really not the home field advantage that everybody seems to think Boise State has. As far as the spread is concerned... Because, you know, a few years ago they had that home game winning streak against the conference. But just it's really not there. I think BYU's defense is going to be good enough to slow down the Boise State offense. So 13 and a half. Give me BYU. All right. Dennis specials. Um, so Boise's been disappointing this year. But, yeah. All right. Dennis specials are... Uh, first of all, Texas A&M, I think it's at plus four. Interesting game because I actually really like that line too. It's just, it's almost good. It scared me away. Uh, and I'm a little worried about Auburn on a bye week at home. Uh, but the dentist likes the Ags. And the dentist, and remember this is, I think he's now 6-1 and one on Ole Miss games. The dentist likes uh, South Carolina. Mm. Uh, he thinks the Gamecocks are going to roll. So take those two to the to the bank, five cavities with those, um, and uh, uh, we'll see if the dentist can go three and zero. I love I, I love the dentist being dialed in on these SEC games. So he's on A and M in South Carolina. A and M in South Carolina. He also likes Louisiana Tech, uh, but A and M in South Carolina were his were his main two. I like Louisiana Tech in that spot too. 
Jones. I like Tech more than I like A&M or South Carolina. A&M uh, terrifies me. I kind of think Auburn might win that game. Like by, no, I mean, I mean, I obviously, like win that game, but also cover. It would be a very Gus Melzon thing to do, right? That's kind of where I'm coming from. Just that the he's everyone's mad at him, but then at the end of the season, he's like eight and four, nine and three, shrugging his shoulders and hitting the recruiting trail. Yep. Yeah. Something like a Gus thing. <laughs> That's very Gus. All right, let's uh, let's review Tom's card. It's a beefy one. Under 54 in Bama LSU, Georgia minus nine. Under 51, Miami Duke. Under 44 in Air Force Army, Notre Dame minus nine and a half. FAU plus three, UCLA plus ten and a half, and BYU plus 14 and a half. Barton's card, Missouri plus six. Texas minus two. Washington minus 10. FIU minus three. That's a lock fight. Ohio State minus 17 and a half. And UCLA plus 10 and a half. That's lock agreement. Chips card. Lock agreement on the under 54 Bama LSU. Lock agreement on Georgia minus nine. Lock agreement on under 51 Miami Duke. Lock fight Northwestern plus nine and a half against Tom's Notre Dame nine and a half. Georgia Tech minus six. We're starting basketball season early in Chapel Hill. And the under 77 and a half Oklahoma Texas Tech. Too many doggone oral histories. So uh, that's it. Feel good about it. I like where we're going. I don't feel good about it. I'm worried about this week. Really? Got some. Yeah, I'm a little worried, a little scared. And so, uh, for the record, we like, did we did a quick audit during the show. You have already cashed one FIU winner this year. Week two. Oh, I have. Okay. Well, your right. quote is filled. Right, well, let's do it. Jay, let's the, do it again. The boys. James Morgan James Morgan Fan Club president Barton Simmons is going to be out here rooting for Butch Davis. Shout out to Bryn Renner, recruiting coordinator and offensive analyst on that staff as well. The uh, the Fighting Panthers trying to go claim a Shula Bowl victory after uh, FAU got one over on them last year. Brandon will be. I was going to say Barton. Sorry, I called you Brandon because I was thinking of Brandon Wise. Barton will be more popular in the CBS Sports offices this weekend than I will. Yeah. What were you saying about James Morgan? I guess. Well, I'm just looking. So I'm just curious what what my guy's been doing lately. He had 311 and two tugs against MTSU, 229 against Rice, no biggie, 19 of 28 for 171, three tutties against WKU. My man's about to get loose on FAU. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Our thanks to ZipRecruiter for sponsoring the episode. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover.